Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Coverage of the Eastern Conference Finals here at Hoops Tonight is brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. How do you cash back? All right, well, Jimmy Butler did it again. Dominating performance on the road in Boston in Game 1 to steal and take home court advantage as we head into Game 2 with the Heat up one game to nothing. I have picked every single playoff series correctly in this postseason run except for Miami in the first round except for Miami in the second round, and I picked against them again in round three. So if you're a Heat fan, you should just be happy that I keep picking against them because I could not be more wrong about this team as they continue to impress night in and night out. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops. Tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So, as we've said so many times over the course of this postseason, the reason why Jimmy Butler succeeds in the playoffs is this combination of size, strength, and athleticism, right? Which helps him get to his spots on offense, gets him physical mismatches on offense, and helps him be an impact player on the defensive end of the floor. When you combine that with his skill set and basketball IQ, It turns him into my personal favorite archetype of basketball player, which is that big rim pressuring and playmaking forward. That's why LeBron James has been my favorite player of all time and the guy that got me to fall in love with the game of basketball. It's why I think guys like Luka Doncic are so successful in the NBA. I would actually argue Jimmy Butler kind of is a lesser version of LeBron James at his prime, and that's a big part of why he's been such a dependably great playoff player. He has the size, speed, and skill to consistently attack lesser defenders on the floor. I've talked about this for years now, but in the NBA playoffs, schematically, coaches just find a way to slow down your pet actions and the plays that you run routinely throughout the season, right? So more often than not, it kind of breaks down 
into matchups. Like, Golden State ran the most magnificent motion offense in the NBA all season long, like they always do. They run about twice as many actions uh, per game as any other team in the NBA. They're always running sets, right? But all of a sudden, the teams can get in front of them, and it just turns into, hey, we got to give the ball to Steph Curry at the top of the key and let him try to pick specific matchups apart. That No team is immune to that. By the end of the day, when you're allowed as much time to scout, when you see the same team seven times in two weeks, it just breaks down into matchup hunting more often than not. And what happened down the stretch of this game? Jimmy Butler just relentlessly calling Malcolm Brogdon's man up in ball screens, getting him on a switch, working him down to somewhere in that 8 to 15 foot area where he can get an easy short jump shot that he knows he can make consistently at a high percentage without getting bothered by the smaller defender that's guarding him. And here's the thing. Malcolm Brogdon's a good defensive player. It's not about that. It's about the size mismatch, which is a natural thing that occurs in basketball games, right? We literally just watched this in last night's game as LeBron James did the exact same thing to Jamal Murray, just pulling him up into ball screens every single possession, getting him on switches or catching him in hedges to find the open shooter. And that's what Jimmy's doing. Jimmy's doing the exact same thing. There's a play where he gets Malcolm Brogdon buried under the rim, kind of right by the right block. And Malcolm Brogdon comes in and helps out of the corner and leaves Caleb Martin wide open and Jimmy Butler hits him because that's the other side of it. You start to attack those mismatches, you dictate an adjustment from the defense in the coverage. For Jimmy Butler tonight, it was double teams. For LeBron James last night, it was hedges. But you're finding that opening that comes when the defense tries to keep you away from attacking those uh, matchups, and you end up just getting better shots than everybody. That, at the end of the day, is the best way to score in the NBA playoffs. Have an offensive player that can routinely attack one of your defensive players, regardless of lineup that you have out there, and you're going to get higher quality shots. Here's the funny thing. Boston has similar matchup advantages on the other end of the court. They can pick on Gabe Vincent, who's a strong guard, but he's a little bit undersized. Uh, or excuse me, Max Struess is a strong guard who's a little bit undersized. But Gabe Vincent's like legitimately a small, thin guard. They can attack him. But here's the problem. Jason Tatum has gone from being a versatile three-level scorer to an analytically driven, top-of-the-key, above-the-break three-point shooter who attacks the rim and looks to draw fouls. He's turned himself into a two-dimensional score. And Jalen Brown has a lot of that creative shot-making and the ability to attack matchups in the mid-range, but he doesn't see the floor well enough to avoid some of the problems that come when the defense starts to send multiple defenders towards him. That's the, that's the difference. When we talk about this series, and I, I talked about this in the series preview, and we're going to... Uh, look at two specific things here. I want to talk about uh, the overall team shot chart in Eric Spolstra. But what was the first thing I said is Miami's path to the series? Jimmy Butler has to play like he did in the first round. And he did. His pull-up jump shooting really cooled off in that second round series against the Knicks. He hit all the same shots that he hit against Milwaukee in tonight's game. That is a absolute must for Miami to win this series. Jimmy Butler has to be making those turnaround jump shots over both shoulders, the occasional pull-up three. He's got to have the same command of the game that he did against Milwaukee, and he absolutely did. He was by far the best player in the floor tonight. He looked like the one savvy veteran in a game full of young stars, right? 
And, and, and as long as that dynamic continues, Miami has an excellent chance to win this series. What was the second thing that I said that Miami had to do to win this series? I said Eric Spolstra had to scheme the Celtics into their worst tendencies, leading them to long extended stretches of bad basketball, which has been one of their you know weaknesses for a couple of years now. Well, they had 66 points in the first half. Everything was working, but then they only had 50 points in the second half. What did I t- what did I talk about a lot um, in the uh, the Sixers series as it pertains to uh, um, the the Philly stealing games from them? Boston only wants to take threes and shots at, at the rim, right? If you pull up uh, my Twitter feed, I tweeted out the shot chart from tonight's game, and I put them next to each other, juxtaposed, and you'll see the shot disparity that Miami has, their shot variety, I should say, and the shot variety that Boston has. And Boston only attempted a small handful of shots outside of the restricted area and inside the three-point line. Miami attempted dozens of shots outside the restricted area and inside the three-point line. As a result, like, for instance, like, Jimmy Butler can drive past Malcolm Brogdon, but if he does, he's going to run into rim protection, right? So what he's taking are the shots before the rim protection. Miami has a really easy defensive responsibility against Boston relative to some of the other teams. Like if they face, let's say they face the Lakers or Nuggets in the second round, it's going to be an entirely different journey. Dealing with Jokic and Murray or dealing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis or Austin Reeves, who's a great mid-range player. Against Boston, chase them off the three-point line, funnel them to the basket. If you have rim protection there, you'll have to bait, you'll bait them into making consistently great rim decisions, which is something they struggle with. I'm going to use two plays from this game to kind of demonstrate what I'm talking about. And they were both with Jason Tatum. So it's late in the fourth quarter. Boston's offense is struggling. The announcers uh, on TNT are begging for Jason Tatum to get involved. So they run a five-out spacing situation where Jason Tatum gets Max Struess on a switch. Okay. So mistake number one, they stay in their traditional five-out spacing. So Tatum's right squarely at the top of the key. There's two players immediately on the wing and two players in the corners. So what does that mean? The two players on the wing, their defenders are digging down into the driving lanes, right? So Jimmy Butler, I believe, was on Jalen Brown on the right wing. He slid over, kind of standing there so that if he, if if Jason Tatum drives to the right past Max Struess, uh, 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 Jimmy Butler's just waiting for him, right? Max Struess also knows that Jason Tatum's not going to back him down because that's just not in his game anymore. So... All he has to do is press up on the three. So Jason Tatum tries to mix into his little pull-up three-point shot that he takes all the time, but Max Drews is stunting up into his shooting pocket to dissuade that specific shot. Jason Tatum ends up picking up his dribble, and no one's open, right? Because he hasn't compromised the defense in any single way. So he tries to throw a swing pass over to the side to Jalen Brown, and guess who's waiting right there in the passing lane? Jimmy Butler. What would Jimmy Butler have done in that exact same situation? If he gets a switch on Max Struess, right, he's going to be like, all of you go over to that side of the floor. I want the entire right side of the floor to myself. That way, even if they do want to shade over, I've got the entire baseline side to work. And if they zone up over on the baseline, you're leaving one of my shooters open. Okay, now I've got the space. I'm turning my back. I'm backing him down. I'm getting into that 10-foot area where I can get a short jump shot that I know I can make every single time. That's the difference. That's... Uh, that that's quality matchup hunting versus whatever the hell Jason Tatum was trying to do to Max Struess on that possession. There's another possession later in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum catches on the right wing or left wing 
And I believe Caleb Martin is the cl- uh, defender closing out. Caleb Martin knows I just have to chase him off the three-point line. That is my schematic responsibility per the orders from Eric Spolstra. Jason Tatum wants that three-point shot so badly, he rises up even though the defender's closing out, changes his mind at the last second, picks up his pivot foot off the ground, and gets called for a travel. Jason Tatum committed three consecutive turnovers in that fourth quarter. That's the difference. When things bog down, when the coaching removes your base scheme offensively, you need a guy that can consistently attack matchups. And here's the thing. Against Philly, it worked. Why? Because Joel Embiid can't guard on the perimeter. And when you attack Joel Embiid, there's no rim protection. So Jason Tatum was able to pull Joel Embiid out to the perimeter. And Joel Embiid either had to concede a three-point shot to him because he's not quick enough. Or press up on Jason Tatum, at which point he's going to dust him to the basket. And there's nobody waiting at the rim. That's the difference. You're not attacking Bam Adebayo. That's a terrible idea. So you've got to attack one of their smaller guards. And you can't beat them off the dribble because if you do, you're going to run into all this help. So you need to have a reliable back-to-the-basket game, which Jason Tatum was building out in the early phase of his career, and he's completely abandoned it. And Jalen Brown is capable of that, but he doesn't see the floor well enough to make the right reads when the defense sends multiple uh, defenders to him. As a result... My uh, Boston, who's a team that wants to attempt a million threes, only got 29 three-point shots up. So everything that Miami needs to win this series kind of manifested in this game. They got a dominant defensive performance out of Bam out of Bio. I thought Bam was great in general. I thought he scored extremely well in the short roll. He helped them manage ball pressure in the beginning of the game just by bringing the ball up the floor. He uh, had timely isolations and post-ups when he had the right matchup and the right amount of space. Eric Spolstra, genius game plan to make Boston feel uncomfortable. Vintage Jimmy Butler, playoff gem. All the things broke right. The other thing that stood out to me is just the difference in the the rhythm of both teams. So I talked about this a lot after game five against Philly for Boston. But in that game, it was really simple down the stretch. uh, James Harden had the ball every single time. And he would run a pick and roll with Joel Embiid. And he'd drop that little pocket pass into uh, Embiid at the foul line, and he'd go to work. And because of that, they were in a great rhythm. Because both of those guys are just doing the same thing every single time. Meanwhile, on the other end of the floor, it's like, this time uh, Malcolm Brogdon co-ops the possession. This time Jalen Brown co-ops the possession. This time Jason Tatum co-ops the possession. Oh, like, here's this random Derek White possession in there. Oh, Marcus Smart just decided it's his turn. There's so many hands in the pot in Boston. And that's a big part of what went wrong for them offensively down the stretch of this game. You go five possessions at a time where your best player doesn't touch the ball. Whereas on the other end of the floor, it's Jimmy Butler, top of the key, every single time, finding the matchup he wants and getting to his spot and going to work. I do think regardless of what happens to Boston in this playoff run, they need to consider targeting players that are actually willing to just disappear into the uh, into the team concept and be a guy that's like, hey, my touches are going to come in spot up situations only, you know that like or like think of the way that Rui Hachimura is involved with the Lakers. Oh, I have a great matchup here in the second quarter. Throw me the ball, but if it's the fourth quarter, like I'm spotting up and LeBron, you've got it every single possession, right? 
Like that, they need to simplify their order of operations offensively when they get through this season. I understand uh, going after a guy like Malcolm Brogdon because of the ball handling limitations of Tatum and Brown. And maybe that's the fundamental issue there is your two stars. Um, you have neither, neither of those guys are super comfortable having the ball in their hands all game. But as a result, you've just got a bunch of guys that can take over the offense. And so as a result, they can go through these extended when it's when it's humming, it looks amazing. Their offense looks ridiculous when they have it all going because there's so much skill on the floor. There's so much ball handling, there's so much shooting. But there's not a good hierarchy there. And and, and so I, I think that's something that they might have to take a look at in the future, regardless of what happens in this postseason. All right, I want to do a couple of shout outs to some Miami players, and then we're gonna go over some adjustments for Boston. So uh, Kyle Lowry had an amazing heater in the second quarter as a jump, uh, pull-up jump shooter that I, that I thought helped keep them in the game. Um, there was a stretch there in the early third quarter where the Heat were down nine, and Max Struess hit like a crazy late clock pound dribble between his legs. There was like a four dribble combination into a pull-up three on the right wing that he hit. Then they forced a turnover, and Kevin Love in transition on the left wing like just pulls up and hits a transition three. All of a sudden it goes from nine to three. Like that feels like a brand new ball game. Those are some big plays. Gabe Vincent obviously has been fantastic in this entire playoff run. I thought he hit a massive relocation three to the top of the key. I think it was in a Spain pick and roll possession, if I remember correctly, because he relocated to the top. But a lot of the, a lot of timely contributions from these guys. And uh, man, I, I, I like I've said all postseason long, I, I, I cannot believe how wrong I've been about this team. All right, adjustments for Boston. Like I said, proper matchup hunting. So if you're going to target Miami's weaker defenders, clear the side of the floor so that they can't help unless they zone up on the baseline side, in which case you're going to have uh, kickout passes. But most likely you're going to have the entire baseline side to work. Um, stop trying to hunt pull-up threes or driving to the basket. Stop trying to hunt fouls. Actually, just turn your damn back. Back your back your defender down. Get to a spot where you, as Jason Tatum at 6'9", or Jalen Brown at 6'7", who's bigger, stronger, more athletic, and has the skill set to knock down these short kind of in-between shots, go take those shots. That is the that is the stuff that Eric Spolstra is allowing in his defensive scheme, and you are currently unwilling to take it. That is, that is a, a key offensive adjustment for them. Here's the second one. And I think this is their only hope to stop Jimmy Butler. They have to play just one guard in crunch time. So I don't understand the point of having Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon out there if, on offense, the goal is to eventually run everything through Tatum, right? Or just forget about that. Tatum, Brown, and Smart is plenty of ball handling for the closing lineup. So by putting Brogdon out there, if he's not going to be running the offense, all you're doing is giving Jimmy Butler a defender to attack, while on the offensive end of the floor, he's an off-ball player who's just spotting up. So if that's the case... Have Marcus Smart be your one guard on the floor so that at least if Jimmy Butler wants to attack a smaller guard, he's atta attacking the, the defensive player of the year from last year and a, a player that's much better at defending up position-wise than Malcolm Brogdon is. And again, you have two options there that I think make sense. You can either go big with Robert Williams, but then again, that's rim protection. Um, uh, you're, you're giving uh, uh, Miami rim protection by allowing... Bam out of bio to stay by the rim. So that means Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have to be comfortable taking those turnaround jump shots or easy little kind of like short to mid-range shots. Or go with Grant Williams. Like, 
Grant Williams was a staple in the rotation last year. Why? Because he defends and he's big and he's the kind of guy that Jimmy Butler's not going to be able to just relentlessly attack matchup wise. And he can knock down the occasional three when you kick out to him. So yeah, is Malcolm Brogdon going to knock down that pull up that kick out three at a higher rate? Yeah. Is he going to be able to attack a closeout a little better? Yeah. But at the very least, you're limiting the matchup options that Jimmy Butler can attack. I know he's in the doghouse with Missoula, but like that would be that would be what I would do is at the end of the game, if I was coaching the Celtics, I'd go with Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Grant Williams, and Al Horford. And I that gives me decent five-out spacing, and it gives me better defensive matchups to contain the Jimmy Butler problem. Man, all right, big game one. Um, I like to think Boston's going to come back and get game two. Actually, for Heat fans, I'll just say it. I think Boston's going to come back and win game two. So maybe I'll just continue to be wrong for you guys. But man, highly entertaining series. I'm having a lot of fun watching this Miami Heat team. I'm so impressed by them because they do so many things that, you know, the diehard basketball fans love, right? All the, all the little things that win basketball games. And Jimmy Butler just, uh, man, an all-time great playoff run from Jimmy Butler. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. Um, I will see you guys tomorrow after the final buzzer of Lakers Nuggets game two. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.